You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. I think that we as modern day Christians have to be careful here in regard to power, pleasure, money, especially in leadership. You have to be careful with power, pleasure, and money. See, God's commands for leaders haven't changed, and neither is we need to be on guard against self-deception in these things that fell Solomon. We need to be on guard when we say, I can handle this. I can handle this. It's just a little bit of wine for dinner. I can handle it. If you have a problem with alcohol. Whenever you are tempted with power, pleasure, or money and think you can handle it, think again. Pastor Dave shares today's message of the risks involved whenever you feel like you can take just a little temptation. Once you start down a path that isn't God's path, you'll be faced with death and destruction. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he begins his message, Ask What Shall I Give You? Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. And while you're going there, if you want to make a detour a little bit back, go to Deuteronomy 17. We're going to, might as well stop there first. Go to Deuteronomy 17, please. I have been telling you now for the last several weeks since we started 1 Kings that God has written in his law specific instructions for kings. Way back when the law was written, God knew that Israel would want a king. He wanted to be their king. We studied that when we studied Samuel. God wanted Israel to be his people. He wanted to be their God, but he wanted to be their king. He wanted Israel to be run by what we call a theocracy, governed by God. In fact, that's what Israel means. Israel means governed of God. But we know the results. But God had in his book in Chapter 17, in verses 14 through 20, that which I have been telling you about, and it's kind of poignant for today's study, so let me, let me read these verses to you. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren, you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return for Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also, it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. 
from the one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him that he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So these were God's commands for kings. God knew that Israel would want a king, and they've had a king. They had King Saul. He sinned greatly, and they had King David. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, but he sinned greatly. And we know that. We follow them all the way through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. We've seen that. We, we hear that. Now, I'm going to speak about this. David even multiplied wives. David multiplied wives, but he did not allow them to turn his heart away from God. David did many other things that turned his heart away from God, and he repented for that, and he was guilty of consequences, terrible consequences. So, as I've stated, as we go through the first kings, we see two things about Solomon. Number one, he starts out pretty good for the first day, and his love for the Lord and following his commands. But that doesn't last long, because all of a sudden, secondly, we see he becomes a notorious breaker of these commands that I just read. In fact, he failed all of these commands. He failed in every single command that the Lord had given the king in Deuteronomy here. For example, he had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. We'll read that in the next chapter, chapter 4 of 1 Kings. He had horses imported from Egypt, 1 Kings 10. He had... 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. I'm not even going to go there. And his wives turned his heart away from the Lord. 1 Kings 11. And as far as riches, he was richer than any king or man on earth. He had all these things. Yet all along, we might know and see that Solomon knows the commands of the Lord. He knows these commands, yet he deceives himself because he justifies the question, how much is multiply? In other words, he's saying, I can handle this. I haven't gone too far. One commentator said this, it might seem self-evident that 700 wives and 300 concubines is multiplying wives to yourself, but one should never underestimate the ability of the human heart to deceive itself in such situations. A lot of people struggling in sin today. The first thing out of their mouths is, I can handle it. I can get through this. I'm in control as the sin continues to overtake their lives. But Solomon disregarded the warnings of God. He, He did exactly what God said he should not do. And what God said would happen, happened. Now, when you look at these three areas... I think that we as modern-day Christians have to be careful here in regard to power, pleasure, money, especially in leadership. We have to be careful with power, pleasure, and money. See, God's commands for leaders haven't changed, and neither is we need to be on guard against self-deception in these things that failed Solomon. We need to be on guard when we say, I can handle this. I can handle this. It's just a little bit of wine for dinner. I can handle it if you have a problem with alcohol. I can handle this. It's just a little bit of a... It's, it's, so what? There's, there's sex on this TV show. So what? There's, there's a little bit it's some soft porn. I can handle it. We've got to be ever so careful. Ever so careful. Solomon 
the king of Israel is going to start out really pretty good, and then all of a sudden he, he falls immediately. And he'll come back, and he'll be, his life is like this. His life is like this, but ultimately he ends on a downward slide. And it's very, very sad when I see this. And I see people, good Christians, who start out on fire. Good Christians who start out just on fire and, 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 and they want to go out and they want to minister to other people and they're winning souls for Christ and they're doing wonderful things. And all of a sudden, they hit a bump in the road and their life starts to go like this. Starts to go like this. And, and, and they're up and down and up and down. Be ever so careful of our self we have to be careful of ourselves because we're our biggest enemy. I can handle it. All right. Not going to bother me. Not going to bother me. What a foolish thing to do. What a foolish thing to do. A month or so ago, they buried a young man whose friend went out and got cocaine for him. And his reasoning was, well, I'm not going to get heroin because that was the drug he was hooked on. So I'll get cocaine. You see the mindset? You, you see the mindset that's happening here? Little did they know that the cocaine was laced with fentanyl. There was three of them. Two of them were Narcan back, but this one young man was not. He died. You see the self-deception? Self-deception. Well, I was, I, was, I was really into hard liquor, so I'm just going to drink beer now. You know, self-deception. It's self-deception, and we've got to be ever so careful about that. And this is what gets Solomon. Solomon thinks he can handle it. Solomon thinks, I can handle this, I can do this. And so as we look at tonight's study, David has died. And now Solomon is seated on the throne of Israel. And last week we studied that he took care of all the family business. He, he went and he took care of the family business, all those outlying ones who would cause David trouble. He got rid of them, and they're all gone. Adonijah was killed, Joab was killed, Shammai was killed. He sent Abathar the priest in exile. And we know that he rewarded Barzeli. He rewarded him for the goodness that he did. So David settled all the family business. I mean, Solomon settled all the family business, and he became firmly established as king of Israel. What's interesting is that the people soon learned that Solomon was not David. <laughs> Solomon wasn't David. Why? Because he was completely different than his dad. Solomon was completely different. David was a mighty warrior. He was a fierce soldier. Solomon was a scholar. Solomon was more interested in building things than fighting people. He, he enjoyed uh, uh, building things and a rich life. He had a lavish lifestyle. He loved luxury. Where David was a simple shepherd. And they were so different. But yet, do you know that they both wrote songs? Solomon wrote over 300 songs that have never been published. And of course, we know that David wrote psalms, right? Another major difference was that, that although David was a true shepherd, he loved and served God's flock. Solomon, like his brothers before him, was a celebrity, remember? He was a celebrity. He used people to support his lavish lifestyle. Although David was a warrior, we know that David put his trust in God. David put his whole trust in God. David delighted himself in God's law, and he meditated on it day and night. He did these things. God, he loved God, and he served God with gladness. Yeah, he made all kinds of mistakes, but he always had that heart towards God. He had a close relationship with God. Solomon was a politician. Solomon was a politician, and, and, and he, he was 
not after God. He says he was in one minute, and the next minute he's fading away. He trusted in his authority. He trusted in treaties, and he trusted in achievement. He was trusted in himself, while David trusted in God. You see the difference here? Are you trusting in yourself today, or are you trusting in God? Do you rely on yourself, or do you rely on God? One commentator I said, he said this, Solomon, he said, quote, he was among the wisest fools who ever wore a crown. Kind of a scary thing. So as we come to chapter 3, we're in the early years of Solomon's reign. And the events that happen in chapter 3 and chapter 4 basically occur in the first three years of his reign. So we're in the first years, first three years of the early reign. Oh, remember, he's a very, very young man. They believe that when he became king, he was 16. We're not really sure how old he was when David died. We're not really sure. We probably could find that out if we went back and, and checked some of, the, some of the history. But it's interesting. Solomon's name comes from the Hebrew word peace, which is shalom. Shalom. That's what Solomon's name is. And during his name, the kingdom of Israel was at peace. The kingdom of Israel was at peace with all its neighbors. Why? Who can tell me why? David beat them all. <laughs> David took control of the thing. He defeated all his enemies. Remember we studied that? David defeated all of Israel's enemies. Israel had no enemies. And Solomon waltzes in to this, to this kingdom now on the throne, and there's no enemies because David took care of them all. So Solomon thought to make peace with men, not peace with God. And I was kind of, I was kind of torn between that. Peace with men and not peace with God. And, you know, in the Beatitudes, in verse 9 of the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Those who make peace with God. The peacemakers, those who make peace with God. Not necessarily peace with men. When Jesus was talking here, he said, it's not a world peace. It's not the type of peace that Solomon was seeking. A peace between nations. Peace that Jesus was talking about was something that happens in an individual's heart when he surrenders to God. A man cannot know peace when he's at war with God. Before we accept Jesus Christ, we're at war with God. We're his enemy. We don't know him. There's no peace. We have peace of God when we become justified, it says in Romans 5. We have peace with God. But then there's another step. The step that all of us want and long for. It's the peace of God. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The peace of God. And it's available to us as we look to the Lord. Peace is only known by those who surrender to God. God wants to end the conflict that we're in. And how does peace come? Peace comes through the gospel, through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his holiness. Our sinfulness can be reconciled. It says, having been made peace by the blood on the cross. We've been made peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Christ reconciling the world to himself. And on the cross, he took our sins. On the cross, he gave us power over sin. And through faith, faith in the cross, the righteousness is imputed. As Abraham believed in God, it was accounted to him as righteousness. As we believe in Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his blood then covering us, cleansing us from all sin, that is imputed to us as righteousness. Peace with God is possible when God removes our sin and gives us his righteousness.
All that's necessary for our peace is to surrender ourselves to God. I'm yours, God. So Solomon was a peacekeeper, but it was David that had secured the peace. He risked his life in battle, and he defeated all of Israel's enemies, and Solomon was the beneficiary. So Solomon's approach to ruling the kingdom was much different than his father's. Solomon wanted treaties with other rulers by marrying their daughters, which explains why he ends up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. But where did Solomon learn this? Thank you. From his dad. I mean, remember, we studied. David had a lot of wives. So Solomon probably saw that. So let's look at verse 1 in chapter 3. Probably thought I'd never get there, would you? Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and a wall around Jerusalem. So here we see the beginning of his collection. But actually, actually, this is not wife number one, it's wife number two. Because Further on, as we get into Chronicles, it explains that there was another one before him, the mother of Rehoboam, who becomes king when Solomon dies. So this happens. Now, for one thing, marrying a foreign woman was not against the law, nor was it contrary to the law of Moses. It was not against the law. If, big if, she became a convert to Israel. It's not wrong in God's eyes to marry a foreign woman as long as she converts to Judaism. The problem is, is that these women that Solomon marries turned his heart away from God. They turned his heart away from God. He was more involved with them than he was with God. I love what Guzik said. He said, quote, what did not ruin David did ruin Solomon. These wives. And this was the beginning of many treaties that Solomon would make with other nations. It, it cut into the heart of Israel's unique position with God. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. You can read that in Isaiah. Jews were supposed to be a light to all the Gentiles. They were supposed to show them God's love and bring them into Judaism. They were supposed to bring them close to God. They were supposed to shine God's love into their hearts, not make treaties with them or become like them. Remember the verse... Come out from among them and be separate? They're supposed to do that. Well, guess what, folks? We're not to make treaties with the world either. We're not to make treaties with the world. We, too, are a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. And we're God's peculiar people. Some of us are more peculiar than others. We will be God's peculiar people. We've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we, too, are to shine that light of Jesus Christ into the hearts of others. That's what we've been told. Israel was supposed to shine that light because they also, they're a holy nation, a chosen people. Israel were chosen by God, but they failed to do this. We should not make treaties with the world either. So we see in verse 2, it says, Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. High places usually refer to the places where pagans sacrificed. The high places were usually places that the pagans would sacrifice. Now, according to the law, the Jews were supposed to destroy all the high places of pagan worship. You can read about this in Deuteronomy 12, verses 1 through 5. They were supposed to go in and destroy all these things, but they did not. Just like they did not come in and take the entire land. 
Just like they did not come in and wipe out all of the other people. They failed to do those things, which was to their downfall that God had commanded them to do. But there was no temple at this time. Altars were allowed in Israel at various high places as long as those altars were to the Lord, not to corrupt it by idolatry. Problem is, they would use the same altar that the pagans were using as an altar to the Lord. Not right. You can't do that. When the temple was built, at the end of Solomon's reign, when he finishes the temple, all the sacrifices then were localized in the temple. That's where it was held. We build altars in high places of our heart. We build altars in high places of our heart, and we try to worship God in those high places, and he doesn't want us to worship that way. What did he tell the woman at the well? Those who worship will worship him in spirit and truth. We're to worship him in spirit and truth. Worship him in spirit and truth. We have things that are other than God in our hearts, and God looks upon our heart. And he sees them there, and he would like us to jettison them and get rid of them. He wants us to get rid of them. In verse 3 it says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. I love that. Solomon loved the Lord. He loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. I love that. But in the same sentence, there's a word there, except. Except, like I said, he starts out like a house of fire for what? Two walks, two steps, I don't know. Except that he sacrificed the burnt incense in the high places. This was not allowed. Solomon did love the Lord, but yet he also loved foreign wives who eventually turned their hearts away. And he sacrificed to God in the high places. Solomon had one foot in the world and one foot walking with God. He loved the Lord, but yet he did things against God. Now, I'm certainly not pointing fingers, but this is a dangerous place to be. And unfortunately, it's a place where many Christians are today. They love the things of the world, and they love the things of God, but they can't choose one or the other. So it's like they're on a fence, and they're straddling this fence, walking down the fence. They have one foot in the world, one foot in God. And, you know, on Sundays, they're, praise the Lord. And then on Mondays, they're living like, Whatever. You can't do that. That's not what he's... God says, worship me in spirit and truth. Worship me always with your whole heart, with your whole soul, with your whole body, with all your strength. Worship me. Why did Solomon do that? And why does other Christians do that? I got one reason for you. It's called a divided heart. And it's another dangerous place to be. It's a divided heart. Solomon's heart was divided between his wives and the Lord, between the world making treaties and following God. Is your heart divided? Are there things that pull you aside, away from God? I'm blessed by your attendance tonight. It would have been very easily just to close the door and keep the fireplace going or turn the heater up and get in your banky and kind of huddle up and stay warm. I'm just blessed that you're here You chose the right things, and you chose the right place to worship. God has given us churches in which we are to worship in. Oh, I can worship God anywhere I want. I don't need to be at church. Oh, yeah. But don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Don't forsake the assembly. You are assured.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of 1 Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.